Welcome to episode 113 of the Juicebox Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Omnipod and Dexcom. You can find out more about both at their websites, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox and dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. The Juicebox Podcast is at its absolute best when we're having open, honest conversations with great people who are willing to, to spill, to really tell it how it is, tell you their story from front to back and not hide anything. I just can't, I can't tell you enough how this one does that exact thing. Mandy came on and she spoke so thoughtfully about her eating disorder and her life with type 1 diabetes. This episode will be of value to you whether you have an eating disorder or you don't. If you're the parent of someone with type 1 diabetes or you are a person living with type 1, please listen to Mandy's story. As always, I want to tell you that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, but today I also want to say that if you are having any of the feelings that Mandy describes, if you are seeing any of the actions in a loved one that Mandy talks about, you need to immediately drop everything you're doing. There's nothing more important that is happening to you today and reach out to a physician and tell them immediately, I believe I have an eating disorder and I need help. Hello? Mandy? Yeah, can you hear me okay? I actually can hear you great. Okay, perfect. Excellent. I'm doing this on my phone, so. You know, I'm never not astonished when somebody says to me, I'm on my cell phone. I was like, (laughs) it sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's super easy. There's a great episode where um, the the person I was interviewing went to their car on their lunch break and did it. Oh, how funny. And she, but it was the summer. And so she thought, like, oh, I'll sit here with the air conditioner. I was like, no, you can't do that. Like, it sounds like, like an Arctic wind behind you. <laughs> and, and, and so she, I said, we well, could just do it a different time, you know? And she was like, no, 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 I'll do it. So she shut her car off. Oh, no. It, it was New Jersey in the summer, and she was <laughs> baking. And at one point, she's like, can we just take a break for a second? I want to open my window. <laughs> <laughs> I need to breathe. I was like, don't pass out, you, you know? But, but I appreciate you doing it. Um, do you listen? Um, yes, I have been. I've uh, been listening for about six months now, so I'm, I don't know the whole history, but I've, I've listened to several episodes. No, I just was going to say that so. there's no big, no big yeah. lead up. We're not going to do anything crazy. You're just going to introduce yourself and, and start, start talking. talking. Yeah, I'm trying. Okay, to- I, I'm a little nervous. I have to tell you. So when I volunteered to talk about this on your podcast, I didn't really think you were going to reply, and then when you responded the same day, I panicked a little bit. Like, oh shoot, I'm actually going to have to talk about this on a podcast. <laughs> So, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do it. I'm happy to do it. I think yeah, it's important. Yeah, no, it really, so. it doesn't get spoken about nearly enough. And it's not even yeah. something that I think is, is, um, is probably widely understood even exists. Yeah. Up until a couple of years ago, I thought I was the only one. Did you really? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I went 16 years thinking I was the only one that did this. So um, I think it's really important. Well, you know what? That's a good lead-in. Tell me your name, however you want to be known, and tell me what what it is you're talking about. Okay. Uh, My name is Mandy Wilson, and I have been a type 1 diabetic for 25 years. I was diagnosed when I was 10 years old, and I've been fighting an eating disorder, uh, specifically diabulimia, for 18 years. So you diagnosed at 10? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how did we're gonna probably jump right into it? So I'm gonna. You want me to just I'm gonna tell sk- the whole story? I'm gonna skip over the <laughs> hey, how are you diagnosed? How'd that go? And just go right okay. into the yeah, when, yeah. when did you develop a, a, an eating disorder? Um, okay. Well, almost right away, honestly. So when I was diagnosed 25 years ago, there was no carb counting. Um, there was no bolusing or carb counting. So I took my NPH twice a day. And then in order to have a stable blood sugar, I had to follow my ADA exchanges exactly. So I got like a specific number of fruits and a specific number of milks and starches for breakfast. And then at exactly 10.30 a.m., I had to have a specific, you know, a very specific snack. Um, And I just remember not not long after I was diagnosed, my mom cut my banana in half. My mom was so good about measuring my food. But she, you know, she was giving me breakfast and she cut my banana in half. And I remember saying, well, can I have the whole banana? And she said, yeah, you know, if you trade your half bagel, you can have the whole banana. And I go, well, well, what if I want my half bagel and my whole banana? You can't do that because your blood sugar is going to be high. Um, And so it was very regimented and and I hated it. And I was always hungry. You know, I I was thinking about it. And, you know, there were times, I'm sure there were times where I had to eat when I wasn't hungry. But there were a lot of times when I was really, really hungry, but I only got that specific amount of food. Like I had no control over how much I could eat. And this wasn't, your, um, this wasn't your mother like stepping forward saying, this is how we're going to control this. This was given oh, you by no. a doctor. No, no, no. She was doing what she was. Yeah, she was doing what she was told. And, um, you know, that that's how that's how we were supposed to do it. And sometimes I maybe wonder I was a really active kid. I wonder if maybe my nutritionist didn't give me enough exchanges. Um, and that's why I was always so hungry, but I, I have no idea. Yeah. I, um, so, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say is, um, and I'm going to talk for a little bit because you said you were nervous to let you calm down because you did did a really, because you're doing a great job and I don't want you to, yeah, this is the, this is the part where you breathe and go, Oh, I'm doing it. This isn't hard at all. And and so, um, (laughs) thank you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I, uh, I was just thinking as you were talking that after school, Arden this year, Every year is different at school. It's interesting. But this year where her gym class is set up and her lunchtime is set up, she gets home and we have it. Somehow it happens that when she gets home, her blood sugar starts to fall every day, hmm. almost without fail. And at first I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should make some adjustments. But during the day, her blood sugar is fantastic, even after eating and everything. So I was like, you know what? She comes mm-hmm. home hungry every day. Well, I'll just use this as a you know, this is great. It's a good foray into the into the snack, you know. And she very recently has been taking large, large handfuls of nachos and putting out cheese and salsa and eating nachos when she gets home from school. Ooh. And I'm hearing you speak and I'm trying to think about what that might be like for me to look at my 12-year-old and go, no, 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 it's half a banana time. Yeah. You, you know, like that would, she would revolt. I, I generally yeah oh yeah yeah and so did you? I was a brat too you were a brat. I was a total brat How my poor brat? mom oh my gosh I just you know I was just rebellious and I didn't I didn't like being told what I could and couldn't do um so I I, I remember it's funny you say that she's really hungry or she starts to dip low after school because that was kind of when the eating disorder started so as soon as I was old enough to stay home by myself after school when I was alone it was like nobody's here to stop me And so I would just eat whatever I wanted as much as I wanted. And there was like, there was this sense of urgency, like you better eat it now because as soon as mom and dad get home, they're not going to let you eat it. And so that was kind of when the binging started. Yeah. You start stuffing yourself, right? Just to get it. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, nobody, you know, I mean, they control your food so much and it wasn't their fault. They were just doing what they were told. 
I understand. Um, so yeah, that was kind of when the binging started and, and I, and my mom would come home and my blood sugar, she had this thing, it drove me crazy at the time. It's really funny now though. She would, she would test my blood and she, you're higher than a kite. Like, what did you eat? And of course I would lie and say, I don't know. I just ate my snack, you know, (laughs) just like it says on the list right there. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so just, that was when like the feelings of shame and guilt. And I felt so bad because she was so worried and she tried so hard. And here I was sabotaging my diabetes pretty much. Um, and you know, she was trying so hard. So that was, that was tough. But, um, I would guess too, on her side, she was probably racking her brains, right? She, Oh, yeah, you know, I think she probably knew, though. Oh, okay. Like, I think she knew I was lying. But, um, but there's no. How, but back then, the, there was no ability for her to say, "Well, we'll just give you more in- insulin," right? That didn't. Yeah. Work, it didn't work that way. Nope. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, so a couple years in, we went to my endocrinologist. It was just regular appointment, and he introduced us to the sliding scale, or what he called the sliding scale, and it was like this brand new thing where you could count the number of carbs you eat and then take Humalog. Um, depending on how many carbs you ate, you took, you know, a bolus and that was amazing. That helped so much because I could eat what I wanted and I just would cover it with insulin. But by that time, my relationship with food had already been damaged. Like I was already, I already had these weird food issues where, you know, when I was alone, I felt like I needed to stuff my face because nobody was going to let me have what I wanted to eat when I wasn't alone. And so, um, but I, so I continued the binging after school, but I would just cover it with insulin and, and my blood sugars came down and it was great. Um, but then <laughs> three months later, we went back to the endocrinologist and I love my endocrinologist. He, he was my pediatric endocrinologist was so great, but, and I would feel terrible if he knew that, that something that he said was a defining moment in my eating disorder. But I remember going back three months after he introduced the sliding scale and um, I remember going back and he said, well, your blood sugars are great. They're so much better. But if you continue this way, you're not going to fit through the door. And I remember thinking, what? wait, I didn't really understand. And he was joking. He laughed. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember turning to my mom and being like, wait, wait I don't understand. Like what my mom was like, you gained, you gained some weight. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and I was not a chubby kid at all. I was, right. I was a slender kid and I still was a slender kid. I had just gained more than he expected me to gain in a three month period. But I heard, oh, I'm getting fat. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of when that was on my radar. Like, oh, shoot, I need to control what I eat. About, and what, so, about what year was that? I think I was probably 12. And so that makes it, I'm sorry, I don't oh, know how many uh, of the episodes 90, you've listened to, but if you want to hear me do the math, <laughs> it's really good. Well, let's do it together. I think so, 93. No, we'll start. Probably, no, 94. Let's, this is a good time to take a break. We'll start right here. So you were diagnosed 15 years ago? 25, 25. 25 years ago. Now, it's 2017. Yeah. Let me get a pencil. <clears throat> yeah. Hold on a second. 2017, then minus 25. Now, they're going to have two, and then you're going to have to... Then, 91. Then maybe we're going to have to t- make that a 19. <laughs> Hold on a second. Move. That's 11. Uh, eight. No, that's nine. Nine. You know what? It was like 91 or 92. And yeah. so... Um, did you? That was pretty impressive. I don't know if you saw it. I, I, I just did that with a, just a small pencil and a little scrap of paper. But, but so it's funny that I think the reason I did that is because I think people are going to think, oh, back then nobody had the you know the wherewithal not to not to make fun of your weight or to kind of mock your right. weight to get you to to to, to act correctly. But yeah. I, I've still heard recently endos 
at least nurse practitioners who, when they get completely frustrated that kids aren't listening about their insulin and keeping their A1C down, mm-hmm. they they default at some of them ha- do go to like shaming you a little bit because they're, really? they're, yeah. out oh, of, yeah. they're out of options, right? They don't know what to do mm-hmm. anymore. And then they go to that, which is, I mean, obviously not right, but, but oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's an example of when somebody gets to the end of their ability to help you, that's, this is their one last ditch effort. You, you, know. you know, it's funny that you say that because I've had, um, when I was at my worst, um, of the diabolemia, I would go in and, you know, the doctors didn't know what to do with me. I was labeled as non-compliant, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't understand what was going on. Um, and they, and I would leave crying, just crying because I, they would shame me. I'm a non-compliant diabetic. You're not taking care of yourself. You know, why aren't you taking care of yourself? And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, <laughs> trust me, I want to take care of myself, you and, know? And so were you speaking up to that effect and just still no one was, no, no you just no, sat no, no. there kind of yeah. in, your, in your head thinking, no, I want to be doing this correctly. It's, I'm not. Yeah. Doing and then I just let them do their spiel and I'd cry on the way home and you know. <laughs> and then what did your mom so, do? Um, you know, at, at that point, this wasn't when I was 12, you know, this was much later when it got much worse. Um, I was going on my own at that point. My mom wasn't going with me anymore. I was 17, 18 years old. So as, a, as, an, as basically an adult. And then yeah. not that this, I mean, to paint the picture, Mandy, and for no other reason, had your weight gotten what you would consider to be out of control by then or no, it was, no, no not at all. So I, yeah. could, I couldn't look at you and tell what was going on. Like oh, I, I wouldn't um, say, I wouldn't go, wow, something's happening. Like, when I was 18. Yeah. So it got, it got bad enough. So yeah. So after that endo appointment, I tried to diet, um, but I can't control, I couldn't control myself around food. Sure. And so I struggled to diet for years. And then I think one day I just got so frustrated that it occurred to me like, wait a minute, if, if I don't take my insulin or if I don't take enough insulin, then I can eat what I want and I'll lose weight. And so I think I was maybe 16 when I realized that and actually really started manipulating my weight with insulin or lack of insulin, right. I should say. Um, and that was right around the time, 16, 17 years old, that my mom, I don't know, I just, my poor mom, I fought her so hard on this diabetes thing. She tried so hard, but I think that she had at that point just said, okay, you, you do it. You take care of yourself. I think that she had maybe gotten some advice from my endocrinologist, like, Teenagers are rebellious. They have bad A1Cs. She'll outgrow it. It'll be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, that. Just that let thing. let her take care. Let her figure it out. Because she had, you know, she had been so involved up until maybe 16, 17 years old. She had been so involved that they were like, you know, just let her do her thing. Let her figure it out. She'll outgrow it. And so it, that was kind of when I took over my diabetes was when I was like, hey, if I don't take my insulin, I can lose weight, you know? Um, and nobody's what, you know, my mom's letting me do this, so I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, it was, it was not good. And so people that are listening that um, might not understand for a second, right. I, mm-hmm. I recall a long time ago, the first time I was like, Oh, I'm going to try to lose some weight. And I tried the Atkins diet and I read the book. And one of the mm-hmm. things the book does, it says you limit your carbs to put your body into ketosis so, yep. so that it burns fat. And yep. so by restricting your insulin, you were, and this is by no means a tutorial, but when you restrict your insulin <laughs> like that, you know, you, you, you lose weight. Although every bad thing about not taking insulin for a person with type one diabetes is still happening to you. You're Oh yeah. Right. Right. And you know, it's funny. I remember when the, the idea first occurred to me, it was like, Oh, that's terrible, Mandy. Why, why would you even think that? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I was like, but you know what? I, I only need to lose like five pounds. If I just do it for a couple of weeks, 
or like a month, then I can lose the weight and then I'll go back to taking care of myself. And over the grand scheme of things, like long term, it, it won't have that big of an impact. And so that's kind of how I rationalized it and talked myself into it. Mm-hmm. But that's but not I what felt happened. terrible. Right? Oh, no. So you felt oh, bad. No. You felt bad about your decision, <laughs> and then moreover, that's not what happened because your feelings mm-hmm. of wanting to stuff yourself with food when you were when you, that sort of trigger that you had now. Hey, no one's mm-hmm. here. It's time to eat, and then you weren't gaining weight from it. They absolutely these two horror these two horrors in your life were were actually helping each other and, and feeding each other. No, mm-hmm. no, and it no it, it yeah. became addicting. I was. I mean. It's funny when people say diabulimia, they compare it to bulimics, you know, where you eat large quantities of food and then you quote unquote purge by not taking your insulin. But I feel like it's more like an anorexic who's afraid to eat. But I was afraid of insulin. Like I was afraid to take my insulin. Um, So did you end up in DKA ever? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, I was hospitalized a couple of times in high school because, and you know, it's it's terrible because I got very good at figuring out exactly how much to take to keep me out of the hospital. So, like, I was walking that line, um, no, and I by felt no awful. Means, by no means healthy. You feel terrible. No, I felt I felt horrible. Right. <laughs> it and was terrible. Can you can you you know tell us like now in 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 real time? Do you still struggle with this? Is it still an mm-hmm. issue? Do you have a I don't want to say control of it, but are you on the positive side of it? Hey guys, it's time to talk about our sponsors. And I'm going to begin today with Omnipod, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. You know, I think that Mandy's conversation so far and coming up really does help make the point maybe better than anything about how progress with technology has alleviated concerns with type 1 diabetes. For instance, the ability to just have a snack and not think, well, I just, I shouldn't eat that because I don't want to give myself an injection and, you know, is it that important to have a snack? And now all of a sudden you're having a battle with food. Think about it all the time with my daughter. You know, you hear me talk about it constantly. I always want to be the one who says, yeah, we can absolutely do that. We can absolutely do that because we're using an insulin pump, because we're using the Omnipod. Because when my daughter comes to me with a handful of something and says, hey, I just want to have this, or the other day when she said, can I have a caramel candy? And I was like, yeah, sure. Boom. Button, 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 insulin, caramel candies in. Not even a blip on your blood sugar. More importantly, never a concern. Never a, well, maybe we shouldn't, or it would be too much effort, or I don't really want to get a shot just for this candy. And all of a sudden, you have a weird relationship with food. I know sometimes we don't think about it that way, but it is absolutely true. With that in mind, I really think you should go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and sign up today to try a free demo pod. There's no obligation. There's no cost to you. You put in a tiny bit of information about yourself and Omnipod will send you right out a demo pod that you can work with, touch, feel, stick to yourself and decide if it's something that you want. Now we're going to talk about Dexcom. I'm telling you right now, the CGMiest CGM in the whole world. Listen, my daughter Arden is 12 years old. She's actually almost 13. And she never, ever, ever sits still. Between school, which is about to end, summertime's coming, and softball, which is about to ramp up huge, and just running around with her friends, she is always doing something. But even with her busy schedule, keeping track of her glucose levels could not be simpler. The Dexcom share and follow features allow us to be alerted whenever Arden's blood glucose levels leave the range that we set. 
The sense of calm and fantastic blood glucose control that the Dexcom CGM system helps to bring into our lives is invaluable. So what are you waiting for? Please go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes to find out more. I want to thank you so much for supporting the sponsors. I can see when you guys click on these links and I'm touched. Thank you very much. When you get a demo pod or when you start talking to Dexcom about starting with a CGM, you know, you are obviously showing those companies that you've heard about them on the Juicebox podcast. And of course, that is uh, the main reason why they continue to buy ads on the podcast, which is the main reason I'm able to continue making the podcast. That's it. I just really love bringing the podcast to you, and I'm just very grateful that you are helping me make that possible. You can go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to learn more about both of these great products. All right, let's get back to Mandy. And trust me, this is going to really ramp up. So yeah, I'm definitely on the positive side. So um, it got really bad. I think I got down to, I was, my weight was in the 80s by the time I was 18 years old. How tall are you? Um, and I finally, at 5'2". Okay. So I'm little. Yeah, but, but still. I mean, 80, 80, 85 pounds, not not healthy. Um, and so I finally, and I and I tried so hard to stop. Like I was, I wanted to stop. I knew that my weight wasn't healthy. I knew that I wasn't healthy. I wanted to stop and I would try to take my insulin. And then, you know, I would get scared. It's funny when you run really high blood sugars for a really long time and then you try to get yourself in range, you feel pretty crappy. Like even though your blood sugars are in a healthy range, you're so used to running high. So it was like I felt crappy if I didn't take my insulin and I felt crappy if I did take my insulin. And I was kind of stuck in this cycle. Plus, I was terrified of gaining weight. Um, and so I just, I was stuck and I tried on my own. I was stubborn. I tried on my own to fix it for so long. And then I think I just got scared enough um, where I, I confessed to my boyfriend at the time. He's actually my husband now, but I, I kind of fessed up and I was like, Hey, I, I can't stop doing this. And he's like, you need to tell your mom. Do you think we were he, teenagers? Did he know um, you were doing it? Like, was it, obvious I think he knew, he knew I wasn't healthy. It was obvious that I was not a healthy weight. I don't think he realized I was using my diabetes to achieve that weight though. I see. Um, and, and when you say you finally had to, you knew you had to do something about it. Did you feel like you were going to die? Like, did you get to that point yeah. where you're like, this is going to kill me? Yeah. Yeah. I was really scared. Um, and so I went to my mom and she got me in therapy like that day. She fought the insurance company to pay for it. Um, after a couple of therapy sessions, um, my therapist recommended that I go to an inpatient eating disorder treatment facility. And so I spent six weeks at a hospital. Um, and my mom fought the insurance company to pay for it. Thank God for insurance. Yeah, right. I'll just say that. Yeah, no um, and so I, you know, it's been a lot of hard work. I've been in and out of therapy ever since. It's been 18 years. And I am, you know, I got married. I had two healthy pregnancies. I have two healthy kids. Wow. So I'm doing, I'm much, doing much better. My A1C is in a healthy range now, but I still struggle um, with sometimes not wanting to take my insulin. But I have tools and I, you know, I sometimes I struggle more than others, depending on, you know, how crazy, hectic life is at the at the time yeah so i feel like it's something i'm always going to struggle with even though i have control of it now so like i'm healthy i have control of it but i still have those feelings when you say there's a struggle is it is it more like the compulsion to eat or is it the compulsion to not take your insulin that that messes with you more both 
I'm both. You. Both. Yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no, there's <laughs> no winner equal. in that equation at all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not, not really. Yeah. But I mean, but I have tools, you know, I know. And, and it's funny sometimes when I'm alone, which is not very often, but when I'm alone, it'll be like, Oh, go eat, you know? And I, th- I have to, you know, kind of give myself a pep talk. Like, no, 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 you're not, you're not hungry. That's the eating disorder talking. You don't need to go eat, you know? And so I kind of have to kind of go through that, but it's so much easier now. Like I, I have it under control, but I still have those feelings sometimes. Um, and I feel like I them. always will. Yeah. I was going to say, you feel like you'll have them forever, right? Because they're, yeah. they're burned into you. I mean, at 10 years oh, old, yeah. at 10 years old, things that you know, things that are burned into you at 10 are, are difficult to shake completely. And, but it sounds yeah. like you've done an amazing job of getting as far as you have, honestly. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I've come a long way. The therapy is the my, key? I think so. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm not actually, I'm not currently in therapy. But when I feel like I'm sliding and I'm really struggling, I'll go back, you know, for a while. And so I'm, it's kind of off and on. Um, I, I do want to say, so um, a couple years ago, I discovered the Bernstein diet. And I know the Bernstein diet can be really controversial um, and people get a little bit crazy about it um, tell, tell on both me, sides. Tell me what it is because um, all of when you say people can get crazy, <laughs> what you mean is people with diabetes online and I stay very far away yeah. from drama like that. So I don't 100% know what you're talking about. So oh, Okay. So the Bernstein diet is kind of like Atkins and okay. people are going to get mad at me for saying that. Um, but it's a very low carb diet. So I think you get like 12 carbs for breakfast and six for lunch and six for dinner. Um, so it's very low carb, um, and it, it really helps to achieve a stable blood sugar. And so a lot, it helps. I mean, people love it because it makes it easy to manage your diabetes because you're not having to guess boluses and carbs and all of that. Right. right. Um, I always say the easiest, the easiest person to take care of with type one is the person who's sleeping because they're not eating. Yeah. (laughs) So, So, um, but I have to say on days where I'm struggling and I don't want to bolus, I, I just feel like I don't, I'm not comfortable bolusing. Following the Bernstein diet helps a ton because I can keep my blood sugar in control and still not really have to bolus. It's a good crutch um, for your situation in that moment. You can, yeah, yeah, it's helped me. It's helped me on days that I'm struggling. But also, if my kids are eating churros and I feel comfortable bolusing for a churro, I'm going to bolus and eat a churro. You know what I mean? So, like, I think some people who are on the Bernstein diet are, get a little bit religious about it at least online everybody's a little bit crazy online right yeah it seems so especially um (laughs) i I guess this will play so so much later but this is being recorded about an hour after the inauguration so online's about the craziest place in the world right now (laughs) yeah yeah it's a scary place i have to ask you very like really specifically you you say when I'm not scared of taking my insulin so what does the fear of taking insulin take on in in a form for you in your head is it is it like you hear people talking about like, oh, I'm scared of insulin because I don't want to get low and I don't want to die? It's not that, right? Like it's the, it's no. the connection you have with, with gaining weight, that, the yeah. fear of gaining weight that, that does mm-hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. So if I feel like I've been not eating very healthy or I haven't, you know, um, you know, holidays. Holidays make me kind of fearful of insulin because there's a lot of sweets around and so I have to bolus a lot. You know, if I do choose to eat sweets, and so the more I bolus, the more I'm like, okay, that's a little too much, you know. So in um, some strange way, you feel like there's a secret switch somewhere where you can flip that doesn't let you gain weight. It just makes you feel terrible and takes years off the end of your life, but doesn't. Do, yeah. But yeah. And but and, yeah. and it seems like an okay trade off in the moment. Or no. You know, I um, not anymore. Okay. 
Not anymore. So now, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and I have a lot more to live for. (laughs) I have two kids and and a husband now. And so it doesn't, I think that's what keeps me from doing it now. Um, so I, you know, and and that's how, where I think the Bernstein diet helps me so much. Because if I'm feeling like, Oh, I don't want to eat, I don't want to bolus, then I just won't eat carbs. Right. And so then I can the stay healthy. But bacon and but back, cheese sandwich yeah. without the bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Avocado. Lot of chicken to, salad. Uh, and, oh, um, so it's still healthy. Because I'm trying to think back to, you know, those first two weeks of uh, of that Atkins diet the first time. I was like, well, it feels like what they're saying is if I really don't slip and have carbs that will keep the fat in my body, I can pretty mm-hmm. much eat like a lunatic for two weeks. And I felt like I ate an entire cow by the time the 14 days was over. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. and three pigs in one way or another, and a lot of chicken wings, if I'm remembering correctly, to the point where to the point where one day I had a chicken wing and I was like, oh my, I'd never want to have one of these again in my entire life. But there is only so much meat I found that I could consume before I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But yeah. I did lose an insane amount of weight in a, yeah, in a fairly short time, and it didn't come back because I was able to translate transition back to a more reasonable weight. Now over the last 20 years since I've done that, you know, time has put weight on me and, and, you know, <laughs> like it does all of us. Right? Yeah, and, having, <laughs> and having children and, and mm-hmm. especially the having children part. It's funny. I know I don't, I totally am not trying to compare us or anything, but I have some sort of a weird eating disorder as well, which is I'm really busy and I have kids and foods, not a tr- I don't love food the way other oh, people, okay. like, like, right. So I don't have a favorite, like when I get up in the morning, I don't think, Oh, you know, what would be great for breakfast. This would taste amazing. Or, Oh, I can't wait to have this for lunch. So when that's your situation, mm-hmm. you don't really think to eat. And so mm-hmm. what I find happening to me is as I gain weight, I actually have to go back and say to myself, you need to eat some because hmm. my, my body believes that I'm on a desert Island and I'm it needs to hold on to every. It's, every. Like, it's like don't let go of that fat <laughs> under his chin, or or we're not going to make it till tomorrow. You, you, yeah. you know? And so when I so when I start eating not well, by the way, I have to, I can't go like have a box of cookies or something like that. But if I start eating well, I begin to lose weight. But I don't hmm. love I don't love eating enough to do it. Interesting. It's hard for me to eat, and huh. and yet I do. Don't get me wrong. Like at the you know. If I buy like you know like I love veggie chips as a, an example of some crazy thing like I like those little like I like dry food. Mm-hmm. I, I sound really hard like bland things, and so but if I buy a bag of veggie chips, I know that like forty eight hours from now they won't exist. They'll be gone. Yeah, they won't exist anymore because I'll be like, ooh, a handful of veggie chips for lunch, breakfast, and a handful mid morning, <laughs> and what about a handful at lunch and a time before I go to bed? And then I'm like, I just ate a half a bag of veggie chips. And, <laughs> I know that's not right. Um, or, you know, the other thing is you you make – when you're in charge of making food for people and then you have that – like I don't know where my compulsions lie, but I have that real like kind of caregiver feeling like, you know, I'm giving people their food at dinner and my wife's like, sit and eat. I'm like, well, I'm not done yet and I really should wash this pan. I don't want it to get stuck. Oh, on yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like and before you know it, all the food's sort of gone. And you're just eating randomly what's left over. You haven't eaten yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like you. I was gonna say, do you stand at the ca- stand at the counter and eat a lot? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like I find yeah. most of my meals are eaten at the kitchen counter, like yeah. just standing while my kids are sitting and eating. While you're cleaning the countertop. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, right. Much like, and I'm gonna say it here. I clean the shower while I'm taking a shower. 
because it <laughs> seems like a good use of my time. I'm pretty sure I've gotten bleach in places you're not supposed to, but and I don't mean in the shower. But uh, but but you know, it's like one of those things. Like, well, I'm in here. I don't know when else I'm going to do it. If I bring a scrub brush and this spray bottle with me, I can. And that's Multi-task. a weird, yeah, right. But I do that with food. Like I do that with meals. And then by then the food's a little cold, you know, and yeah, you're like, eh, so yeah, it's not so good anymore. Like, and then it just gets like, a, I, I don't know if what I've just described is an eating disorder or me being an idiot. I can't hundred percent tell, but, <laughs> but, but hey. it definitely, it is my weirdness around food and it keeps, yeah, I think we all have a little weirdness yeah. around food to be on it. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because my, my mom used to do, we were really broke growing up. I don't know about you, but, um, I always, I'll never be able to shake this idea that my mom would buy food and then tell us it wasn't to eat. <laughs> oh, like try to make it last. Like that's not for now, buddy. It's Monday. <laughs> you want to, yeah. you want to live till Friday. That's for Thursday. And you know, and, and it's so like, oh, so we have this, but I can't have it even though I'm hungry for it now. So later, you stay in the cupboard. later when I don't want it, that's when I have to eat it. That's it. You, you know, like it really is. It's interesting how how your brain can get wired from things like that. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. And food messes with all of us. I think. I mean, our our childhood and and the way we grew up and, and the way we were with food when we were a kid. I think it messes with us all. Yeah, for sure. I know that. Um, like I we 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 love going to the movies. We don't do it as much since we have kids and things like that. Obviously, but. My wife and I both, like, we met at while well, she was working at a movie theater. We both love going to the movies. And I know for her, like, there'll be times we'll go to a movie and I'll be like, hey, let's just zip in and zip out and go get lunch afterwards. And, you know, see the movie and then get out of here. But for her, a movie entails popcorn. Popcorn, yeah. A, a, dr- <laughs> a drink and something that's chocolatey. Whether she literally wants it or not, she kind of can't go into a movie without it. You can't sit there without popcorn, yeah. It sounds like my mom, kind of. Now me, like my son and I went to a movie, we were away by ourselves a couple of weeks ago and we went to the movie and we got there, we had dinner and then went to the theater and I looked at him while we were going to the lobby. I'm like, you want anything from the snack stand? He goes, we just ate. And I was like, yeah, me, that's how I felt. And I was like, yeah, okay. And we went and, <laughs> we went and did that. But I'm telling you, my wife would buy a popcorn and not eat it, but she would. Yeah, just because you have to. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So You okay. smell it and you've got to buy it. It seems like it's a trigger. It really does. Yeah. It, it's It's unfair. <laughs> Uh, it, it's not a level playing field. That's for certain in most of these things, because I, I, you know, as much as I just said, I don't love foods. There are some things that I do you like. You can't pass up. The minute you see it, you're like, I'm going to eat that. You, you know, so, <laughs> so, okay. So let, let's use your 25 years of experience with this and try to help people. Definitely. Do you hear, do you hear the dog snoring? Basil, really? It's no. It's all just... He just, uh, uh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, and so hopefully that doesn't come through to you, but um, <laughs> like, what do you, I mean, now that you kind of can reverse engineer it through therapy and time in the, in the beginning at 10 years old, obviously it's a different world now, although some people yeah. still don't get a sliding scale when they're diagnosed, but, but what would you, what would you like to have seen happen to you if you could have went back in a time machine and fixed it? Well, I think if the sliding scale had been available when I was first diagnosed, I think that that would have been, I mean, all of this might not have happened. Um, so I think that um, it's important. I know I, type 1 diabetes, I don't know the statistic exactly, but I think you're twice as likely to develop an eating disorder if you're type 1 diabetic. Um, and so I think that just being very careful about the relationship with food and kind of paying attention to that. It's funny because my initial team, they had a team 
um, for me when I was first diagnosed. It included a therapist. So I had an endocrinologist, a therapist, and a nutritionist. But um, we talked more about diabetes than food, (laughs) which sounds kind of weird. But um, I think that paying attention to the food part, I really enjoy when you talk about, I, I know you love your pancake story. And, and I love your pancake story, too, because I think that that is such a great approach for you to have with Arden. And I think that if my parents had known, they, they would have taken that approach and um, just to, you know, you want pancakes? All right, sweet. Let's have pancakes. And, and you figure it out. And, and she, you know, if she wants to do that, like, and the cereal thing, I've heard you tell the cereal story, like cereals not, doesn't work very well for her, but she can have it when she's low and, and that, you know. I think that that's so cool. And I think that that's a really good attitude to have with kids and diabetes. I appreciate that. Last, last night, yeah. it's great talking about diabetes because there's always a fresh example. So last night, <laughs> last night for dinner, um, we were, we were kind of running behind, which I guess means me. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't have like a big meal planned. And I was like looking around, it's like, Oh, I should have went grocery shopping today. I'm like, I'm, I don't have a lot of things here. So I looked, it's about an hour before her softball practice last night. And my son, I'm getting the text from my son. Hey, I'm hungry and I'm going out. You know, my, my girlfriend's coming over. I want to eat now. And I'm like, oh, does anyone just take care of them? But okay, I'll do it. And so I, <laughs> and so I looked and I thought, I, I have like pieces of food here. Like not, not a meal. So mm-hmm. I made, sometimes I make for breakfast a, like a bagel with um, an egg, cheese and bacon on it. That's, that's it. And it's not a, it's not like a bagel from a bagel shop. It's, you know, it's a, it's a purchase bagel from a store with mm-hmm. a ton of carbs in it. And I was like, okay, I can, I can handle this. So we start, I start making it. And then it's just like, it feels like, I don't know what it is. It's, it's the diabetes gods. There's this beeping from Arden's insulin pump that her pod is about to expire. And not only that, but we are, we, uh, there's only seven units left in our reservoir. Mm-hmm. And so seven units isn't going to do the bagel. And so mm-hmm. I was like, uh, oh, okay. So I looked at her and I was like, change your pump now, like right now. But you know, when you, do you use an insulin pump? I did for a really long time. Okay. So you know, yeah. right after. I'm back on injections now, but yeah. Okay. So after you change a lot of times, maybe that when that cannula is new, all pumps aren't exactly the most effective in those first couple of moments. Like you can't mm-hmm. do f- fine bolusing is not, it's not really, you can do heavy handed bolusing, but not, but not fine bolusing. So right. she, she puts the new pump on and I was like, and it was too early to pre bolus from the, from the old pump. So I said, okay, I said, just throw on a half a unit from the old pump, just, you know, to try to cover a little bit of basil that we might miss when it, and when we switch, I said, put the new pump on, I waited an amount of time and I really heavy handedly bolused her like a lot. And then she ate a giant bagel with an egg and bacon on it. It was not. I love that. Yeah. yeah, But it was not smart from an, from the aspect of diabetes. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like I, I was pretty much thumbing my nose at, at, you know, Murphy's law at the moment, Mm -hmm. but it worked out and, Mm -hmm. you know, she got a little high while she was at softball, like one seventy. Maybe That's pretty good for a giant bagel. Right, right. Not bad. And yeah. what got me was she goes into this building to place in the wintertime and there's no signal in there. And so oh. in my ability, like I sat back to try to let her just practice without me kind of being up her butt a little bit, but I wasn't, mm-hmm. getting, I wasn't getting the signal from her Dexcom. 
And or because had I known and I could have bolused that 170, I could have stopped it. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so, it, it it worked out really well. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't give her what you're talking about. Like she doesn't have that feeling. Like oh, my brother just had this bagel, bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel. I can't have that. Or exactly. You know, oh, because it's pump change time. What we eat changes. Or there's really subtle ways to impact people and subtle ways not to impact people too. And exactly. I think that with, with type one diabetes and adolescents, like you're, you're different enough as it is having to either wear a pump or take insulin injections. But then when you can't eat what the other kids are eating or, you know, I think that that's, that's huge. And if the food part can be, you know, if, if she can make her own decisions about what she wants to eat, I think that that's great. I've slipped a time or two and done things that I'm not, happy about with myself afterwards like you know you say something like hey i need you to bolus and then she doesn't and you lose track of it and then an hour later you know there's an issue and then a meal comes up and you say well look we can't eat right like we're not going to eat right now with your blood sugar that high so oh yeah well you know i mean you you can't be perfect all the time No, right right but still (laughs) it's i'm aware of it when it's happening when i'm like she's like well let's just make a big bolus and i'm like honey with what we're eating and where your blood sugar is at the moment even a big bolus isn't going to get ahead of the food if we start eating right now. So I said, let's yeah. we'll pre-bolus for it, but we're going to all wait together until, you know, and that's the other thing we do is we wait together. You know, like, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, there's no like, hey, you can go ahead and eat because that, or, you know, we, we made homemade pizza a few weeks ago when we were sort of in that situation. And there was this just mm-hmm. hot, fresh pizza sitting on the countertop. And the whole house smelled like cheese and sauce. Oh, and and everyone's Everybody's looking waiting. like, what the heck is happening? And, and so, <laughs> that's going to be, I get in text from my son, that's going to get cold. And I was like, <laughs> I was Don't like, you love it when you can text your kids yeah. and like, they're upstairs and you can text them? It's so crazy. It really, it really is. And what's funny is when I'm in the kitchen, my son's literally right above me. And, right. I'm, and I'm texting. I'm like, "Hey, come down for dinner." When I think I could just look up and yell, "Dinner!" I think he would hear me. You know, so right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of stuff that we don't think about. It's a lot of nuanced things. And, yeah. And and it's but it's important to remember, especially if you're probably the caregiver. I would think of a smaller person, and but as, definitely. Yeah, but as an adult too, living with diabetes, you can easily thrust yourself into this situation. You know. Oh yeah. I would think. Well, yeah. And the other thing too, I kind of want to say is, I mean, if you're stuck in this cycle and and you're already in it, like, I don't know, I'm so stubborn. I thought I was in control and, and it took me a really long time to admit that I wasn't in control. Um, and so that's another thing that I would say is like, you can't, you can't, like, if you're in it and you're in this cycle and, and you're afraid of insulin, then you can't get out of it by yourself. Like, it's not something you can just power through. Like, I, I felt like I could power through it. And I think I, I spent way too much time um, in the worst of it because I just tried, I kept trying to fix it myself, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I, so. listen, I think we all know the, the anguish of recognizing something about ourselves and and letting it sink in and knowing it's true and then not accomplishing, not, not changing anything to fix it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. I, Crying and failing over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I really just yesterday, you know, I had a, a shoulder surgery. It's been three months now, but I still have to go to therapy three times a week for it. 
And so it's getting much better. It's going really well, actually. And she, uh, the therapist, added another exercise yesterday. But I have to keep my arms in a pattern. So she put me in front of a mirror. And I watched myself do it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I look older and fatter than I think I do. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I need to, I need, I, I remember saying to her a little later in the day, I said, you know, this is ridiculous. And I said, but I feel like we, when I'm done, my shoulder's going to be in such great shape, but it doesn't make any sense. It's, I said, it's like going to a junkyard and buying an old rusty car and putting one brand new fender on it. I said, I, that's how, that's how I'm going to look three more months from now when we're done. I'm going to have this really wonderfully in shape, healthy shoulder and everything else is going to need paint. You know what I mean? And so, um, and, and, and so I'm sitting there in that thought thinking I'm young and I'm healthy and I've only been at this shoulder thing for three months. I'm making the time. So it's obviously possible. I could mm-hmm. be, I could be in much better shape, you know, with a, a bit of effort three months from now. And mm-hmm. then I think I had three chocolate chip cookies for dinner last night. Right? So I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure. And, and listen, it's all well and good to, to kind of laugh at a little bit, but I am going to, at some point impact myself in a way that I can't come back from. Um, mm-hmm. but, but your situation is, is obviously more critical because of the diabetes and the need for insulin and everything, but it's, it's sort of the same issue at that same human issue at its core, which is like oh, we yeah. can even witness it about ourselves, understand it completely and still not have action. But I should be putting, I think your advice to me might be find an impartial <laughs> get help. party. Yeah. Get help. <laughs> Tell them, yeah. look, this is what I need Absolutely. to be doing. I need you to help me keep doing this till I make a pattern of it for myself. Yeah. I mean, there's so much we try to do on our own. That would be so much easier if we just would reach out for support, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that, uh, our conversation today might help me, uh, (laughs) in a different way more than it helps other, as much as it helps (laughs) other people. So, okay. So are there signs? Can parents see like, what would Um, I look for if I thought my child might be doing this? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot, I mean, obviously the weight loss, um, you know, dramatic weight loss and high hemoglobin A1C. I think that, um, I'm not sure if they do this anymore, but I'm pretty sure my parents were told, Oh, she's a teenager. She's rebellious. You know, teenagers don't take care of themselves. They're going to have a high A1C. She'll outgrow it, you know? Um, and so they didn't, you know, I'm not really sure what their thought process was. I was too selfish to even think about them at that point, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, weight loss, high A1C, um, sneaking food, you know, I mean, cause that was really the beginning of it was, was the sneaking food, you know, um, for me at least, I, I think, you know, everybody has a different story and, and a different issue, but I think those are the main things. Um, well, I can say this. I think the tools are, are much better now. Oh, absolutely. And somebody listening yeah. is going to be like, here, this, this guy just cramming in an ad for the people who, who buy ads in the podcast, but it's, I definitely don't mean it that way, but I'm going to use as an example, today I was tagged in an Instagram image and it's a three hour, I don't know if you have a, if you use a glucose monitor or not, but there's a three hour, I do. okay, it's a three hour graph on a Dexcom um, CGM and this person's blood sugar, it's a child, so the mother sent this, but it doesn't look like their blood sugar goes over about 120 for three hours. It's a very kind of gentle line that seems like it's rolling right between 90 and 110 for three hours. Nice. Right. And, and they said, uh, it's really nice. It says today's breakfast spike in quotes, which is <laughs> it went to 130. uh, breakfast spike of 107 
brought to you by Dexcom and the Juicebox podcast. That's and, awesome. And I was like, that's, and she said, my son's at school and I'm not worried at all. Thanks, Dexcom. Oh, I love that. Right? Isn't that cool? You know, it's so funny that you bring up like how different things are today uh, compared to when, how they were back when I was diagnosed. I always joke that I was so glad that Dexcom and Dexcom Share did not exist when I was a kid. Because, I mean, and, and maybe I should say that I'm, I'm not glad because maybe it would have helped a lot if my mom could have seen my trends and she could have seen, you know, because back then I was testing maybe three or four times a day. And so, um, but if she could see, you know, the, the spikes and, and, and could see that, you know. I would say I this know, to you. I, I don't think, it, here's what it would have changed. It just would have made your mom feel worse because right. she, still, <laughs> she, wouldn't have had, she wouldn't have had the tools on the other side of it to fix it, which is the other side yeah. of it. Like, that's when I tell people all the time, like, you know, Arden's insulin pump, that's where I see the real value in it because, you know, not that you can't exist really well and live really great with on injections. You absolutely can. But what, what you're, you know, what you probably stop yourself from doing with an injection, like when you see a 120 blood sugar, do you pull out a needle and try to make it 90? No. No. But I... Not until I cross 150. Yeah. But I do. And so I bump that number just gently down or up. And that's sort of courtesy of the insulin pump. Like, because I I wouldn't, I wouldn't stick my daughter for, to move a 120 to 90 either. You you, you know, so... Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so your mom would have been in that situation. She would have been like, "Oh my God, look, she's getting really high." But this guy told me and check this much insulin it? and wait this many hours and test again and like you know she yeah. was in a different world. This yeah, and, it was a different world. Yeah, yeah. So I think that you know, hopefully, and there's a big step recently. It looks like there's motion on Medicare covering uh, glucose monitors, which will move the whole issue insurance wise forward. Hopefully. Uh, oh, that, I heard about that. That's yeah, great. Yeah, so so the people who want this stuff can have it a little more readily and and you know reasonably priced, hopefully. Uh, yeah, the so glucose monitors. I mean, I love my CGM. Mm-hmm. I have Dexcom too, and I and it's it's been really good for me. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder to ignore high blood sugars when it's staring at you. Well, it <laughs> saved it saved Arden the other night because we don't have this. I would say this happens twice maybe three times a year, but I had one of those like lows that you couldn't feed enough with Arden oh. last night, you know, mm-hmm. and it was one of those that was like, she was just coasting along at like a hundred and she went to bed. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I started thinking about, I'm going to sleep, you know, and then, um, yeah, go to sleep. And so I, I, I lay down and all of a sudden, I mean, literally out of nowhere, this thing's beeping and she's like 42 down and, and like, and I was like, mm. oh geez. So I gave her a juice. I cut off her basil a little bit and I waited and it held at like 50, but didn't go up at all. And I was like, oh, mm. okay. So I went and I got a banana and she ate a, 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 nothing like watching a sleeping person eat a banana, but she ate, you know, she <laughs> ate like half of a banana. I'm like, well, this is going to do it. And then it didn't. And then it took mm. another. And by the time that evening was over, I had to restrict her insulin cumulatively 90 minutes. She had half, wow. a, half a banana and three juice boxes. And she was still 66 when she woke up this morning. Like, wow. It was one of those crazy overnights that you just kind of you like, it was never, yeah. you couldn't predict it and you couldn't see it. But without that Dexcom, I did not foresee it. I can be honest yeah. with you there. So I don't know exactly what would have happened without it. But. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So it, it was one of those crazy, like when I got to her, like she was like in a pool of sweat, like that kind of like that. Oh. You know what I mean? And, 
Yeah. I just think it's, I think it's really kind of amazing. So let me, let me ask you this. Does, has in any way what you've learned about eating affected how you're parenting kids around food, even though it's not diabetes related? Yes. Yes. And tell me how. Um, so my, my husband kind of works in the fitness industry. And so he really, I mean, we try to eat really healthy, non-processed foods. Um, because it's and, bad for him. It's bad for him at work if you guys show up and look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because you know that's the way he eats. No, I understand. So that's you know he wants the kids. You know, and and I'm kind of you know I get a little bit weird about it because I'm like I you know if we want to eat cheeses like we're gonna eat cheeses yeah, and right, so right, right. Um, there's a little bit of a, a back and forth in our house about that because I'm mostly my daughter. I don't worry about my son. My daughter's 10, which is really weird to think that she's the age that I was when I was diagnosed. Um, so she's 10 now. And so I try, um, I just try not to tell her what to eat and what not to eat, you know, but which is weird because when you're raising kids, you got to teach them what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. And I think my husband has a really good point. He always says, you know, like you had, you had an extraordinary circumstance, like, most kids, you can tell them what to eat, and they'll turn out just fine. Like you know, yeah, but um, you're in a very specific situation. That's for yeah. Sure. I, but I and and he, you know, he kind of has to remind me, you know, remind me like that's your own issue. You don't have to worry so much about that with them. But I do. I worry about you know well, telling them what they can and can't eat, and you know, but I keep. If I didn't, they'd live on ice cream. So oh, listen, that that really is <laughs> that, exactly. And, but that is parenting to some extent. Like you look back on your experiences and you think, well, these are the things I know to avoid, and these are the the, the things I yeah. know to highlight. And that's where you go, you know. And you yeah. know, like I made, I remember years and years ago, I used to be one of those people. I was like, you know, I've been a, I've been a stay at home dad in a couple of weeks. I've been a stay at home dad for seventeen years. Wow. I'm totally someone's going to find out and make me get a job soon. So um, <laughs> somebody's going to be no, like, that, that, you're good. that guy's <laughs> really been scamming this system a lot. But, but <laughs> I did, I do a lot of things that nobody wants to do around here. So I don't think anybody's exactly. going to I don't think anyone's going to speak up too loudly. But, yeah. um, you know, like I used to buy big bags of Purdue frozen chicken pieces, like, you know, fingers. <laughs> and in my heart, I was like, because I grew up terribly with food. Like no one cared about the quality of the food I was eating, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the 70s. And uh, so if sawdust would have kept us alive, my father would have mixed it in a meatloaf. And so, you know, like, and so, uh, you know, so one day I was just like, why am I giving my kid processed chicken? There's chicken here. We can afford the couple dollars more than it is to buy an actual piece of chicken. I'll make it myself. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, the kids were like, this doesn't taste like chicken. I'm like, actually, <laughs> this does taste like chicken. That thing I was giving you before didn't taste like chicken. That's my fault. And, you know, but it took them a long time even just to break away from the idea that the processed stuff they were eating isn't the way it was supposed to taste. You, you mm. know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a really, it's, it's, I don't want to use it. It's vexing as a parent. Like it is because there's somewhere between I don't have time and I also don't want you to, like, I don't want to walk into your house with an adult when you're an adult and notice that everything you own is in a bag, you, you, you know, yeah. like food. So, and it's a really time, hard balance. It is. And I'm not a great eater. I don't like vegetables. My daughter Arden loves vegetables. Like she's, she's great. Like I think we could probably feed her in the lawn if we needed to, you know, but, <laughs> but my son won't at all. I mean, yeah. you have to just bang on his head to try to, and, and the downside of it is, and I've said it here before, he's so active and athletic that almost anything he puts in his body, he's still in fantastic shape because he's moving so much. So he doesn't see it 
and then you try to explain it to him. I'm like, just because you look good doesn't mean it's healthy. And, you know, he's like. That's a hard concept. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I don't know, man. I just threw that ball. <laughs> when you have proof yeah, otherwise. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, did you see how far I just threw that ball? Because I look healthy. And I was like, all right. And, you know. You sure, Dad. Yeah, yeah. You see, and, yeah. and plus, you're right. He's almost 17. He probably thinks I don't know anything. So, yeah. Um, it is really crazy. So, do you have, um, like, like, I guess we'll go, like, kind of backwards a little bit do you have you ever sent your kids to um for trial net testing do you have any idea or is there any no no do you think about it ever um so yeah my poor kids when they get sick or if they're really thirsty or if they're really tired I'll make them test their blood sugar just because I'm paranoid (laughs) um but no so far nothing um I know my sister was tested when I was not long after my diagnosis um, but we don't have any other issues in the family. Like we don't, you can't figure out where it came from, to be honest. My grandma had type two, but, um, that's about it. No endocrine stuff. So, Nobody's fighting with a thyroid. No. That doesn't, nothing like that. Why well, you just thought. I actually have a thyroid after my second pregnancy, I was diagnosed with Graves disease. Okay. So I've got, I've got two now. Um, but no, nobody else has anything. Yeah. I so. think, I think Kelly's, my wife's second pregnancy kicked her thyroids, but. Pretty, really pretty good yeah so yeah it, um it just and that, that was kid. then listen and they don't appear to give anything back as far as i can i mean <laughs> love, waiting, huh? nobody's but love okay but no one's sending money or anything like that so <laughs> the other day we got in the car and my son's like i need ten dollars i was like you have ten dollars he's like yeah but i'm trying to hold on to that i'm like well i'm trying to hold on to this and it, <laughs> yeah. but, but yep. yeah it just it really did she found it difficult for years to get a doctor to take her seriously because when she got tested, her levels weren't actionable to the doctors. Oh, and, that's and so Yeah, and so we finally had to basically badger a doctor into giving her Synthroid. And then, mm. and then magically she felt better like four days later. And, I was, and then, wow. then you feel sad for all the time that you spent, mm-hmm. you know, having not made that step to begin with, I guess. Not feeling well. Yeah. So I guess I just yeah. talked, I just talked myself into exercising more. I think is what I just did because <laughs> now I'm now I'm literally not going to learn from my own history if I don't pay attention to what's happening. <laughs> now I've got your history, my history, and my wife's history telling me not to just rehab one shoulder. So there you go. Yeah. So well, you are very first of all very brave, um, and Thank I, you. I appreciate that because you you know you said in the beginning and I'm probably going to leave it in because I was recording, but you were like. I emailed because I wanted to say this on the podcast. Then when you answered me, I was like, do I really want to do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I did. I spent a couple of days thinking, ooh, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah. no, and you used your name, which very cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like, um, and, and you know, it just is really, you know, I think that if people, you know, you talk about community, if people in the community are going to benefit from other people's sort of experiences, then this is how they have to come out in very honest. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I think I said, I think I told you, but I went 16 years thinking I was the only one. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't, I didn't hear the term diabolemia until about two years ago. And I remember, um, getting a little bit involved in the diabetes online community and realizing, you know, finding a couple of articles about it and realizing, Oh, this is a thing. Like it's actually way more common than I thought. And it, it's, I felt better just knowing I wasn't the only one, you know, it's a, it's a huge, it seems so simple when you hear people talk about it, but it is a huge aspect 
to moving forward once you're diagnosed in any way. It's just a, is the recognition that this is yeah, like, happening. This is a thing. Yeah. yeah. No, no I, I, I've seen it happen too many times to not believe that. That's for sure. Yeah. You, know, you definitely need to, uh, you need, it, it, it's a, a pressure that's put on you at some point too, that mm-hmm. you know, now it's a failure of you somehow that you're not, Oh you know, yeah. That's how it feels. The and, guilt and the shame mm-hmm. and the, yeah. That doesn't yeah. need to exist really. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's really, it's really something else. I, um, yeah, I just really wanted to tell you, and I said it really like 10 times in a row, just, I just caught myself, but it, it's, it, it's wonderful that you, that you did this because oh, thank you. you're welcome. I'm up to 93. There's 93 episodes out now. I have a ton more recorded and this hasn't come up yet because I'm sometimes limited to just my thoughts about it. When mm-hmm. that's why I need, you know, sometimes you need somebody else to reach out just like in any other situation and say, Hey, you should be talking about this too. And yeah. I'm happy to do it. I, I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah. No, you really are cool. I, I, uh, I hope your mom listens to it. I, cause I, 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 I am going to send it to her. I need to think about it. <laughs> I hope I gave her enough credit, both her and my dad. I never give my poor dad, uh, enough credit. I have to say, so I, on my 25th anniversary, it was a pretty big deal for me. I celebrated, I got a tattoo, I posted on Facebook about it, but I didn't give my poor dad any credit. And then I realized it later and I felt so bad. My dad was so involved and he helped out so much. My mom's the vocal one, but he was, he was always there. It's just um, you and me, mom, and that guy stuff. that... Had that job know, right? he left in the morning. Poor I don't dad. know what his name is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We get he we, was poor dad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there are days when I sit back and I was I'm like, no one's ever gonna know I was here. I just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I am gonna send it to both of them though. Yeah, um, because they deserve credit. Yeah, and they really do. They deserve to know that and they also deserve to know to be kind of relinquished of any any guilt they might carry that they were doing what they were asked to do and yeah. doing it well. And, yeah. you know, science and medicine was letting them down if, if nothing else at the moment, not, oh, yeah. not themselves, you know? So yeah, good going Definitely. mom and dad. Way to go. She's look how good she turned out now. Look how like, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> totally should write that in their Christmas card next year. <laughs> Thanks mom and dad. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably make them feel good, to be honest with you. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I, you know, you just, again, really thank you very much for coming on and doing this. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I love your podcast, and I, I love that, that you are such a great resource. You didn't say it exactly the people. way I emailed it to you, but that was very close. Um, I, I'm just kidding. Huh? I, I said you didn't say the line exactly the way I emailed it to you, but you did. Oh, it was funny. very close, and so thank you very much for, <laughs> for those kind no. words. Honestly, no, I, I do want to say you're a great resource. And I love that. I love when you say to be aggressive with insulin, because um, I know that it's sort of the attitude to kind of play it safe. Um, and so I, I think that your approach is encouraging. And, and I'm glad that you're out there telling people about it. You were very nice to say that. I really appreciate it. I have definitely have it down to some clear thoughts at this point. And being bold with insulin is definitely one of them. I, I, That's what you say. Be yeah, bold with yeah, insulin. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely, <laughs> and I definitely think too that um, I've sort of added to my my kind of talking points that that I use in my own head that eventually spill out into the podcast. But I think understanding how the insulin works, like understanding how man made insulin functions in your body, is probably mm-hmm. the key to most of it. Like it yeah. really is. You can't. It's you. You can take away that guessing game 
by figuring that out. I'm not saying it's completely easy to figure out, but once you get past that spot, it all gets a lot easier. That's for sure. So yeah. Well, I, I pre- go ahead back to your life and thank you so much for doing <laughs> this and I will let you know when it comes out. Okay, great. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mandy and I don't know if anybody could have been more honest than she just was. So I want to thank her a million percent from my heart for coming on and sharing her story with everybody. I think you'll agree that there is something in there that everyone living with diabetes should know about. Thank you also to Omnipod and Dexcom for sponsoring the show. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There are also links in your show notes. If you're using a podcast aggregator, you can just click right there. If you are enjoying the Juicebox podcast, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a rating and a review. It really does help the podcast be found better in searches. And of course, share, please. If you know somebody who you think would benefit from this episode or others, or just from knowing about the show in general, please take the time to let them know.